Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for 15th of March 2021. Okay, lots of excitement. The biggest thing in in the back of my mind is the rush to register future stores as lots and lots of people realise that there's a potential squeeze or potential whatever the right word for that is where, you know, there's a very big open position which seems to be getting bigger on a daily basis and also there's a a well-known fact that there's lots of people trying to register fresh future stores which we talked about a few weeks ago and I'm very glad to hear that people are actually going to go ahead and do that. So the big question is how how many stores are coming on and how many potential tons will there be sold into the May futures market for collection and and which obscure parts of the country will these stores be so that's exciting and the wheat market is kind of sitting there static there's not much activity in the context of people who want to talk about it on farm because they're very very busy the seed deliveries are going out there like crazy and farmers are busy there's been a diddy bit of rain which is a slightly irritating but not enough to stop things so yeah it's a it's a very quiet farmer trading side of things we're executing contracts i think most of the traders are getting on enjoying the same thing so wheat values at this point if you were selling it for may we would probably pay 204 x farm something like that which is around futures price maybe a tad lower which is a fantastic price and it's been kind of sitting around there for ages as you know oilseed rate well this this week the chat is actually webby and myself and there's a diddy kind of confessional aspect to it in my view as webby you know who quite rightly set a target of 350 and you know we had a we had a season where it took forever to get there and we talked about it week after week on the on the podcast and finally it appears and straight afterwards the vaccine was announced and uh, it kind of went went a lot higher which just you know poor webby and he had to confess he's you know obviously the market in the last few days on oils in the world have gone through the roof so it, i do believe that x farm has got as high as 430 that is pretty spectacular and pretty unexpected but the good news is for people who are growing rape who haven't sold that is that the harvest price is around 355 that's no store charges just bang off you know straight away movement that's the price plus the premium and that's higher than last year's target and we're still recommending that you sit with it because it looks like it's going to be a very bullish market that's our, that's our view feed barley is kind of statically sitting there around about 160x farm for may movement again we've talked about that so many times get on with it if it's feed barley that you haven't got sold there is nothing that you're waiting for that's going to happen it's not going to go up in price in the end it will go down in price So I think a short and sweet market report this week. Prices, very buoyant. Excitement, hopefully, on the futures. We really are interested in seeing where the stores are going to be and where the wheat surplus is in the UK. It's a very tight balance sheet. Webby and I go through this in much more detail in in our chat. So enjoy your farming this week, you farmers. Get out there and get a big crop in the ground because us poor old grain traders need a job. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. 
The Dew and Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dew and Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week's chat is the last time we're an in-house only without there being the odd guest. And I've got the very, very highly intelligent Ian Webster with me. Ian, good morning. I thought you were about to announce who our guest was going to be. Well, you said highly intelligent. <laughs> the next guest. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Right, so, so last week, did you listen to last week's podcast that Ben did? No, I listened, I listened to Andy's. I'll have to listen back. I, I listened listen to, to I quite enjoyed Andy's. Yeah, actually. but Ben's, you thought... Did he, he probably just slated me left, right, centre, didn't no, he? No, no, not at all. He's, he, he, I said, this is going to be a very intelligent podcast. <laughs> and unlike you, where he went, oh, I want to do you talking about He went, yeah. <laughs> Hi, good, good afternoon. <laughs> anyway, different approaches. Right, I'm going to talk to you, though, about oilseed, because there's been a very dramatic rally on oilseeds, hasn't there? Yeah, I've never experienced well, however long I've been in the trade, lots of 12 years. I haven't seen it like this. This is unreal. I mean, the rally in, I find it easier talking about it in Euro sense because that's what I spend my time goggle-eyed at, is um, probably in 10 days it's gone from 460 euros and it very nearly traded its record ever rapeseed futures contract high of, well, it traded at 518 today. Mm-hmm. And what's the high ever? Well, there's some debate about this, but is whether it's 521 or 525. I should have looked this up, but it's... Okay, so... I looked at it on a chart it goes to several weeks ago, it will definitely be a high, and there was, it was seven euros off that. It's, it's this close to it. It's, I'm pretty sure now it's going to trade the high. So you, you're yeah. calling it to go through that number? That's the bit that really confuses me. I, I'm a long way from being a, a professional chartist, but where do you go with something that has gone through a record high? Where do you... How Contract do you highs of a buying... Yeah. There's only one contract high. Well, we have this debate and this argument talking about intellectual conversation with Ben, but probability, there is only ever one high. So I agree with that. Contract highs are for buying. As Munty always used to say that, contract yeah. highs are for buying. And, and I used to think, yeah, come on, Munty, it's got there. We, we're all delighted. We've, we'll sell it now. Thanks very much. But the reality is tomorrow will probably be another contract high. There's only, there's only going to be one. It's the likelihood of yeah. selling that contract high is such a slim chance. So let's touch on the thorny subject. We spent a lot of the year you know aiming at getting people not to sell it we didn't you know encourage yeah, people not yeah. to sell it and we said your target is and we said this on the podcast 750 million times your target is 350 350 yeah yeah it was yeah and so when it actually hit that we it, we've, yeah, it looked even 350 looked very optimistic at one point that's kind of it we, yeah. we were trading a value of, of 320 to 330 at harvest which yeah it was it was a pretty miserable having to remember back to i'd like to fondly have forgotten about it but the yields were disappointing but yeah 330 it got to 350 and we were 
Yeah, talk about hindsight moments. We were coming into the... Um, sounds like I'm trying to just for us. Oh, no, you, you, you're in a, look, you're a guy who's bought loads of rape off, off our customers and the market, we aimed at a price. It took ages to get there. It, did, yeah, it yeah. finally got there and we booked it and it yeah. was like, you know, great. Well done, everybody. We feel okay with it. Let's With the premium, it's going to go nearly to 400. We're, yeah, we're happy enough. 380 odd, wasn't it? Straight yeah. after it hit our magic well, target was, price. It what? was pretty unfortunate because there was two what key happened? events that happened. Firstly, the second lockdowns were being announced in... In Europe so we all saw what happened first time around back in last March and there's enough scars from that when a market was just tanking 20 euros a day you know lost 100 euros as quick as a flash so it was it was the deja vu fear of that happening again so I thought right that this is 350 there is yeah it's risk let's you know now little did I realize was that about three to four days later, the news of the vaccine would start to do its round round the news wires. It, which it was that moment, wasn't it? Lots of people might have thought that I had an inside uh, <laughs> yeah, tack on had. that, but unfortunately, no. I so. seriously wish you had. That yeah. would have been just so all your yeah. profits sorted in a week, wouldn't it? Totally but the dynamic of that yeah. is it smashed through 350 and just hasn't stopped, does it? Yeah, it, it kind of came back to then the Christmas period. We were yeah we were trading up to some of the highs, what we'd have been trading probably the three. 75 380s roughly but just recently this last two weeks has been phenomenal it's well, yeah, I, mean, I, I got when huge. it got to 400 i was like go, you're yeah. in fancy land do it yeah. like i again uh, not, not that we had huge amounts but we had guys that we priced up and 400 is a great price so, but i don't know if i did i mention this earlier but this morning i've paid the highest ever price i've ever paid and i paid 430 uh, for so me anyone previous to that you know the worst of it is you, you know you get grief because obviously if you'd have known you're you're Rate yeah. book would be my most yeah. profitable book, and we'd be yeah. like oh, yeah. kissing his shoes, wouldn't yeah. we? But yeah, it has gone to yeah. 430, and with the bonus, he's going to be getting. Oh, well, I've uh, yeah, invoice already at 466. Ooh. Well, that's, that's great. That's, great. Th- that's led to a conversation about production costs, hasn't it? With that's with the same, yeah. Growth. Well, I, I had, uh, and I, I can't mention, uh, no, not mention no. name, but we, we, uh, so we had a chat, and I thought he'd be ecstatically, you know. Wow, that's a good price. And it wasn't being rumored about farming, but he was like, oh, yeah, but my, you know, it costs a lot to grow rape now. And he was saying it needs to be over in excess of 400. And I kind of see that. I, I can see the, the, the pressure there is on a reference, this particular grower, he's going to know who he is now, but reference the money he's having to spend on kit. Well, this is, this is, a, this is the second time that conversation's come up in our group, or with our farmers, we call our group, that the cost of wheat production was stated as much higher than previously stated. Mm. And a lot of the increasing cost has come on the machine side of thing now that that's i guess brexit related mm. machines yeah. are incredibly expensive now yeah and yeah. if you're buying one and and sharing it over a number of acres it's gonna yeah inevitably this is another interesting point in this conversation i had is historically the grower that i spoke to would uh, run his combines over five years now he said he's getting 10 years out of them try okay. and press them well that's just that trying was, to reduce the capital expenditure that you know that that was always going to be the case i think yeah we were going to get to that point. I mean, you have some very, very small farmers who actually can still just about compete because they're still holding everything together with red string and, and an old, you know, Ferguson. Well, there's a there's a great class. Is it a class dominator that knocks around? That's I think it's is it probably early eighties possibly. Well, Murray Ferguson had a P registration first time round. A New Holland combine, which is still going. He's older than the combine, but but you know, if how, combines well, were gauged in, in dog years, the combine wins. <laughs> 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 but it's still going. Yeah. 
and uh, it doesn't owe anybody anything depreciation-wise, I'm, I'm mm. pretty certain. But no, the, the, the serious point is that cost of production has markedly moved up. Mm. And, you know, everyone's looking at, at prices of new crop wheat and they're looking at prices of new crop rape. And on the new crop rape, I guess they, they are daring to go out there and peep under the canopy of what's just about starting to grow again after the snow and weeping into their hands, aren't they? Because it's... Yeah, I mean, well, you, you had a conversation which you kind of sort of passed on the news of, and I've had similar today, but larvae is very prominent in the stem at the moment. One that I was a bit surprised here was frost damage after the snow. I would have thought the snow cover would have been enough to protect it, but no, he said he's very concerned about it. And another friend I spoke to in the trade today, he said he'd spoken to a grower and the growers had the agronomist out and frost damage coupled with the uh, larvae is enough to suggest they're going to rip the crop up. Frost damage has just killed it, has nailed it. So, well, yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of frost, there's some very hefty frosts which were in Russia, which kind of went away. Now they're coming back again, I'm told. Are they coming back? Okay. So they say. Mm. That prolongs everything, delays everything getting going, mm. and could, if some of the snow's gone, which I don't necessarily think it has, there is allegedly damage, but no one's got any clear reports on that yet. So there is, so, you know, we're moving out of just all rape there aren't we i appreciate that just on uh, on on the all rate i mean we did talk about sorry we have referenced it the new crop but trying to give a positive spin on rapeseed given sort of some of the lower old crop values but i, I do feel very friendly to the new crop i think that the the supply and demand dynamic is as tight if not tighter than the old crop it is crudely an 80 euro discount old to new which i think is yeah but your harvest price is higher than last year's target price right? oh yeah a lot higher yeah 355 yeah. Rough yep. value, harvest movement, mm. plus bonuses. And that's without any store charges, that's just bang harvest. Very good time. price, yeah. So let's let's be clear, the things are looking from a price perspective much, much better before we even kick off, aren't they? Yeah. I mean and bearing in mind our, our worldwide listeners here. <laughs> yeah. I the, the the only thing I I'm sure people in the trade are going to give me a kicking for this, but I don't think I would sell rapeseed before the combines start to roll. I kind of think you've got to see where, as with every year, see where some of the yields come in, because any pressure on yield or any lower yield potentials is going to be quite a bullish story, I think, going forward. This is where... My, you know, my original boss, Don Patterson, when I was a lad. Hey, you're telling the customer what you think's going to happen? There's nothing you're doing, you're not going to make any money out of that. And it's like, yeah, in the end, this podcast doesn't have open us yeah. up to... I, yeah, I have, have to admit, you know, talking about, you know, but I would love to be buying out these numbers because I do feel friendly to it. But no, talking no. about motivations, it wouldn't be the right thing to phone up our customer base and say, look, boys, it's going to sell it now, the world's going around. Around. No. Yeah, you'd lose, your, lose, lose yeah. your cred forever more, wouldn't you? But so, dear farmer listener, bear that one in mind. We are kindly saying don't sell it. And all we ask of you, and we've got, we've got the lowest tonnage of, of new crop grain in our books relative to our size than we've ever had just remember that we haven't phoned you up and pressed you to sell it would you kindly because when somebody phones you up in three months time and the market is at a point where it is a sell you know they're the ones who are bidding you all the way through saying you better do some you know this is the point where commercially it's moronic of us not to have it stitched up in some sort of contract or pool but good advice is good advice and it and it applies over a long period of time we're at contract yeah. highs on new crop on everything. I think it's going to become more... Uh, the one thing that we are seeing is volatility. I mean, it's it's extreme volatility. Okay, okay, maybe London wheat market has been a bit flat, but a lot of the other markets have having quite a big swing. So that kind of, you know, getting the right side of those is, is better yeah. than the 50p or pound that is getting bid on the day. You know, London wheat gets grief if it really trades vol in a volatile way. It says, oh, there's not enough people trading it. It's a rubbish contract. The reality is from pre-Christmas to now, it's gone up 15 quid. And you've got 
you know, the French has gone up very dramatically, trading lots and lots of lots every single day. And it is a very volatile market on every single commodity. Mm. The state's leading the charge. But it's, I think, yes, volatility is definitely here to stay in the short term. We've got lots of projections about production. Let's move on away from just oil seeds now. Let's, yeah. Although, we'll actually, uh, before we do, sorry, soya beans. Yeah. You have a view on soya beans, which is... Yeah, I, I mean, the soya market is... Well, so I suppose it's the kingpin of uh, so rapeseed. We're, we're talking about an oil-based crop, really. Yes, soy is more meal-based, but but it is the largest sort of oilseed crop. The stock to use, I think, I references is two point six percent is kind of forecast against USDA, which is exceptionally tight. And a lot of people are suggesting, or the export data is showing, that they will run out of beans, and they're looking at importing from whether. Brazil, Argentina, to replace that. And Argentina, yeah, are they having an easy Well, I, no, Argentina's drought-stricken has been through the season, and again, it's it's more dry weather to come. Brazil, the opposite. Brazil have had wet weather, delayed harvest, and there was a an image or a video going around Twitter of a Brazilian truck trying to offload, and it was set like concrete because it was just manky wet beans that have gone hard and starting to rot. So yeah, there's a couple of t- couple of stories still there, and you know, in the background, That's so not it's like not the really normal ba- Brazilian pictures you look at, is it? <laughs> 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 I don't even know what to say to that one. <laughs> Keen football fan, Ian. Um, so, with, <laughs> with not, that in, not quite so much admix in those photos. <laughs> with that not in mind, so we have an, an underlying oil market that, you know, there goes a few acres of rainforest then because there's got to be a big demand for people to, mm. to put as much into oil production as they possibly can. Yes, but then it's the toss up of corn's not far off that. So, do they grow corn or do they grow beans? They're both just as attractive yeah i mean in in the states which we're going to come into their planting season any minute corn goes first soybean comes second if corn gets a good start and it's dry and they get a good seed bed and they can get on quicker you'll have crop reports coming out week after week saying you know crop looks excellent well ahead of schedule planting way on the charts will be showing oh look the corn's in the ground it will probably be good the corn acreage is going to be there we can sell it a bit and there's a bit of pressure on corn Mm. yeah Um, my, my hunch is i think they'll whack into corn Possibly it, more than beans. If it's a good seedbed, yeah. if it's a hold-up to it, then beans has, has mm. the opportunity to come in. problem for beans is, if corn is there, that's the end of it. The acres are gone, haven't they? Yeah. So it's, it does look to be, that's the underlying mm. real backbone of yeah. a firm market on that one. But it does it does feel, people have talked about super cycles, and there was a JP Morgan statement, and but it, it feels like commodity prices are, or firm commodity prices are, I think here to stay for a while. It's not going to, the, the world's issues won't be solved on one good harvest. I think we need consecutive good harvest. That, that analyst you, you showed the YouTube video on was, was predicting 2023 to have prices beyond anyone's wildest imagination. Oh, crazy, crazy values. I can't even remember what they are. The one I can remember because it's more relevant was she was suggesting $30 beans. Beans are currently trading at $14. So that's, yeah. and the record was ever $18. I think she said $18. $18 corn and corn's trading at five and a half dollars so again huge and, uh, and wheat was something even more dramatically ridiculous like 42 dollars or something if production of commodities in the next year have a good harvest on the acres that are projected which is what we're working on with no hiccups yeah. on production we still don't meet consumption and that is the really frightening aspect and the harvest of the coming year if it is as projected is the biggest harvest of all time so we're not only expecting to produce more than we've ever produced before as a world even if that everything comes right and there's no weather hiccups with production mm. the consumption is projected to be higher and stocks will be lower that cannot That's keep happening high. and then chuck something a bit further down the line but the uh, the russian tax 
scenario. There won't be, I don't think we're going to see the record-breaking crops that we've seen in the last, or, or the expanding, the growing crop, the growing area that we've seen in the last few years. Yeah, if you, was it 50 We're just, 50 demo, yeah, and 70%, so it just, it's going to demotivate or throttle back those guys. Well, you're saying that it has to go over $200, which is a reasonable price, isn't it? Uh, it's about £140 sterling, roughly. Yeah, but it would be 140 base plus whatever they produce on top. So it's kind of, yeah. if, it, if it went to, I don't know, $300, it's another 50. It's still a good, you may may well see more Russian production, but not as much as if they'd had or been able to keep mm. all the money themselves. Yeah, so, I mean, so, you know, here we sit week after week being very bullish. We need to get someone on who's a bit more consumer on, don't we, to, like, temper us from our crazy, <laughs> crazy bullish mentality. But little things that keep happening, don't they? I mean, the BPS figures today that came out said that the crop size for 2020 was actually not as big so there's like a couple hundred thousand tons potentially of wheat less than we than we thought yeah, yeah. you know that's a big bit missing that that makes the figures for this year even tighter in the yeah. uk if it's true well, i think the last figures we were talking about i think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast was that it was factoring in a 70,000 ton surplus but before you allowed for any exports and there was 200 mm. 200,000 of export, 120 maybe. So that take this off production, then chuck that off, which was, I think, was a suggestion of another 200,000 roughly. So you could be looking at a deficit of 400 ish. Now, we've never, everyone says, oh, we'll run out of wheat. We never have, but it feels as likely this year, or it'll never, we never will run out. We'll find something that, you know, shove Mm. the the animals outside and watch them get a bit thinner or something, whatever people do to get round it. But the reality is, who owns it? When are they going to trade it? And I said this with Ben last week. I think that it is getting very, very interesting now. Who needs to buy? Who's got it to sell? And and when do the two meet? And certainly the sell side of things is it's dry as a bone out there, isn't it? Oh yeah, certainly from the farm gate. You know, it's quite worrying to think where the next few tons are coming from. But other than conversations or you know, give me a call once you move that contract type thing, there's not a huge amount to go at. I think. I mean, we we we've mentioned too many times before. Probably the the futures side of things. We firmly believe that the futures price will end up trading at the same price as delivered at the very least in our part of the world because I don't I don't see where the tenders are coming from at the moment ice exchange for London wheat futures is um, getting several applications for stores and very soon they will have to publish what that new list of stores are so we will see who is planning to tender and that might reveal who the short is but the stores that are registered are only the capacity of the whole store and the probability of the whole store being full of wheat in a year like this is very unlikely. Really unlikely yeah. So it's it's trying to pick what is likely to come from each of those people who are registering a, a volume of tons and put that against what the short position on the uh, on the May futures is. And 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 in recent weeks, the, the the open position, which is the number of lots that are still out there active, people who may tender and people who are going to be picking up those tenders, mm. people who want something physical to happen with the contract. There was a time when that when that was slipping down daily with with big volumes going through and 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 the open position dropped all of a sudden the last few days it's going in the opposite direction which okay. possibly means if someone's getting out of their short at the same time there's more people going yeah. along with it so, so you're I, suggesting it's <clears throat> going to get bullied towards the end well i believe that yeah, yeah. i've said that in i think I've, i first called it out in december we, we certainly in november did exactly the same thing and and people probably thought we called a wolf on it but we were proven completely right <laughs> we ended up selling november wheat on the futures exchange yeah. at a two pounds three pounds premium, premium to, to the may, may so yeah. we bought in our may and sold the november yeah. and some of the stuff still sits there so we've got not only 
£2 more than selling it later in the year, we also receive rent, rent for it. It is very strange, and we've recently had someone retender some stuff out of our store. That was unexpected. I don't expect it will sit there for very long because the premium to consumer is still enough money to pick it up and move it without... I don't know. I, I don't know how valuable people think owning a future stock is. It's certainly expensive rent-wise nowadays, but it is a pretty handy tonnage to have I at think the having wheat around you is, is a healthy thing. Yeah. It's gonna, well, if, if we're discussing it possibly running out, you aren't going to be in any trouble at all until you get French new crop coming in at a discount to what we're trading at. So, yeah, no, it's, it is, it, as I've said, it's for anoraks only, but it is very much a UK-based phenomena on top of an underlying world firm market. And in the meantime, is it not as if our market's alone in sitting at 200-odd, in our case, pounds, but, in, you know, the, the, the French are trading at 220... Well, it went down a couple of euros at the end today, but 230, 227, 228 euros. That's an enormous amount of money. And the French have been largely the biggest exporter or the, the background exporter. The Russians take themselves off the pitch with their with their yeah. levy. You know, the, they've had to price themselves into a place where they can't let any more stock go. So it is a it is tight across the whole of yeah. Europe. So it's not just oils, it's not just cereals, it's every single farmer's commodity, isn't it? Are they cheerful out there that lot? <laughs> no, this week, they were like, people phoned up on a Friday, ordered some seed and screamed on Monday when it wasn't there, didn't they? Yeah, there's been a bit of that going on. It's always tense this time of year and kind of getting seed oils out of farm and it's all, it is quite often all hands to the pump and, you know, we even run around and we've got the trailer and we try and get well, some farms, some emergency said, jobs. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the reality that we're whinging now, but every, we're delighted to get seed orders, thank you very much. However, the, the people who ordered it months and months ago genuinely got, they've had it out there hmm. since early Feb. Oh, I've got to pay for it. Yeah, great. It's there. You can pick it up and go and plant it. Now we've got hmm. people who you genuinely phoned up last Thursday or Friday. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, you're supposed to have, you know, in stock. Oh, it, it, poor old Josh. He's, uh, it's good for him, I think. He's young enough to take abuse. But, yeah, it's quite funny if you think about it, farmer boys, that you know you've got a field that you're going to put something in and it's almost certainly going to be spring barley. Mm. Why on earth are you ordering it three days before you want to plant it? There must have been a little bit of planning yeah, going yeah. on. The the uh, conditions did turn around pretty quickly. I mean, from what I've seen from the car window, seed beds look pretty good, actually. Yeah, you are pretty high up in that car, aren't you? <laughs> I don't want to mention about the planet actually dying, <laughs> but you're looking to protect your daughter. You're one year, your now one-year-old daughter. Yeah, she is one. Yep. Yeah, and you got yourself a, a Hummer. Oh, I would like Hummer, but yeah, no, it's quite. It's a big. It's a big vehicle. Yeah. A family wagon, almost. Death Star. Yeah. I used to have that Q7. It's called the Death Star, and it's the same yeah. size as that. So, you know, if he may have run somebody over this week and not actually known he's done it. <laughs> he'll get used to the vehicle, and he'd like to apologise to anyone in that old brother <laughs> having to be crossing the road. Right, well, you know, should we have a beer? Yeah, sounds good. So we've got, we got two. We, we've got, we haven't got ones we haven't had before because nobody sends us beer anymore. We're feeling I, haven't, a bit I haven't had sad. that one. I haven't had, what's it, yeah. World Top Hello Velo. I haven't had that. Oh, well, I have. Okay, I don't, we'll I don't mind that. either. Well, yeah. the other we've got well, is a... Bishop's um, Finger again, the last Bishop's one Finger of the, again, yeah. you know, so we've got our, our Yorkshireman, Simon, and the Hello Velo, that's one of his, and then we've got... Bishop's Finger, that was a Tim Porter one still, isn't it? Exactly. God, Tim he's Porter. had a lot of plugs off this yes, show now. Tim, plug number 42. Yeah. So we, we probably should mention that we've now come to the end. So yeah, this is the last another. two beers in the place. Everything else has been drunk. I went round searching and nothing but these two. Webby's going to whistle for a minute while I pour out the Hello Velo, I think. So, sorry, who did this one come from? Hello Velo from... Simon I think you're fine. That one's got the least head on. I'll Thank just you. say this one's got a little bit more on. Cheers. Cheers. I guess the posting 
American package from New Zealand's a bit too much for New Zealand beer, isn't it? Oh, you're talking about our listener. Yeah, I'm so proud of that. I'm going to mention it. I think that's quite cool. I'm not sure how much relevance we have to him. Do you, do you want to do a New Zealand impression? Because they always get really offended because they always sound Australian, don't they? I thought you were going to just reference sheep or something like that. Dick. It'd be like a. They say dick for uh, deck, don't they? Dick. I don't know. But I, actually, no, I've played rugby with quite a few Kiwis, and they're all they're generally yeah, good lads, Kiwi I lads. I don't agree more, absolutely. Yeah, really good lads. Certainly not a packet away, don't they? Anyway, so we've got beer, we've got a market that's going through the roof, we've got, well, seed customers who are kind of like it rained today and they got a bit sulky. Yeah, largely the world's a good place. We're, we're, we're looking at an industry that's, there's some pretty horrific figures coming out. I mean, we, we had our Doing Grain AGM last Tuesday, and so our little, our little accounts for the end of June last year are going into Company's House. Yeah. Um, I'm delighted to report that our post-tax profit was 216000 which for us is great. We're really pleased with yeah, that. Really pleased, yeah. Uh, balance sheet. It wasn't, it wasn't a straightforward year either. It wasn't a. Well, the second half of the year was pandemic yeah. struggles, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I think it will be. It will be. Well, who knows how the rest of this year goes? We've got four months to go before this year end. The difference is we won't have any stocks. We're going to clear everything out. We won't make that sort of profit unless you turn in a superstar performance on, on oil seeds, Webby, because it simply is a much, much smaller volume year. We've we've reduced our numbers of staff, yeah. as you know, and it's been very sobering. We've never had to do that. And being a small company, it's very personal. But yeah, we're kind of, I think we're in the right place to yeah. continue to compete. But, you know, and then you get, you know, you, you, you think, like, there's still a place for us. We're doing what we're doing and we're popular enough with our local consumers and farmers like us and that we have a valuable place. And then you hear that the, the, the biggest opposition are going to build a one million ton. Yeah, that one, I mean, I spotted it on LinkedIn. So I, I'm surprised I didn't hear it through conversations through through the trade. But, I mean, yeah, a million ton ABN facility in East Anglia. I mean, it's a bit, it's enormous. It's calling it a super, is it a super facility? I can't remember. Well, it's, it, I mean, the, the ABN Cargill business, you know, Frontier will be buying the tonnage for it. You know, how long before they say all of the tonnage comes through just Frontier, you know, and then, and by the way, join our bank and buy our fertiliser and have our chemicals. And if you, if you move off the white line, we'll have to shoot you and take your farm. But the point <laughs> is that we, we're trying to compete with someone who can build a one million ton a year consumption mill. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like. I do think it gave a bit of a positive note about the industry that it referenced or the um, press release was referencing a growing demand for food and they're looking at I think their forecast to towards 2050 and quoted a, a number again so I'm not sitting in front of it to, to quote it back but yeah it was talking about an expanding industry and it, it, initially I read it it kind of made me feel more demand but I don't know if I'm yeah no I, look the world is going to eat more and more product the agriculture is the core of where food comes from the critical issue for the world is you cannot have three or four companies in control of the whole world's food supply you know you've got it on data and and now the world is waking up to the reality of you know facebook unfriended australia let's be clear you know adm american cargill american that's probably 40 percent of food goes through two american companies strategically you know is our government thinking about that no production but but there's no strategy and i i hope you know i'm certain that 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 there will be a growth in niche markets and and the the, the slightly more expensive product from farm, all these things that are happening, the innovations on farm, will hopefully keep people's, or no, will increase people's awareness of where, what food is and try to make it maintain a, a very local small footprint. I think that comes in, that's one of the things coming out of the back of COVID when it's, hopefully it's a conversation of the past, um, but 
sustainability and the environment is going to be will be the next thing we'll all well we are already all talking about it but it's going to up but, some gears but right okay let's give give it right sustainability and box ticking and look what we're doing how green we are we have the government announcing e10 mm. right which is extra use of yeah. wheat grown in the uk hopefully for biofuel that's fantastic for virgo going to open up again another you know yeah. frontier based cargill abm abm company good it's, it means the UK is going to have more consumption, which means the price will go up, which is fantastic. Investment yeah. is coming from someone who can afford to make the investment, which is great news for British farmers. Very, very, very much good news. But at the same time, the government are saying, right, here's, here's a load of money that we're going to give you for growing flowers. We aren't really sure what the detail of that is yet, but here it is. Here's a kind of like, you know, there is a, a policy that's going to say, you know, nice blue flowers, you get 10 quid. Nice nice yellow ones, you only get two quid. Whatever, the, whatever it is, their policy. But the dynamic of that is less wheat production on the left hand and on the right hand there is we need more wheat for our biofuel plants now if we don't produce enough wheat in the uk and we have to produce x amount of bioethanol the probability is that the wheat will be imported from abroad which completely and utterly nullifies the dynamic of you know bioethanol being produced locally to the product it it isn't green it's it's all right it's technically you have to sit someone will sit and work out and say oh it is green really because it only there was that Mm. many tons of diesel took the stuff from sweden to here and therefore tick that box but the reality of that is we all we all know it's bad homegrown cereals it's not yeah the the strategy you know boris let's face it is chairing the cop meeting in glasgow in whenever it is september october november time whenever it is and he's just done e10 and he's now going to do as many green things so he's he's at that conversation he can look look everybody now say look what we're doing we're fantastic now two days after the conference he'll put a line through most of it and say it is very clear that we're going to be exceptionally green for at least four months and then practicalities will take over you know you can't have less production and more production at the same time something's got to give and if, and if it means people go do you know what wheat is now 270 pounds a ton i'd rather grow that than have the subsidy so i'm not going to register for it or i'm not going to have it this year or whatever whatever they do yeah, yeah. the government's going to stare at each other and, and then they're going to get holders of grief from the from the um, you know general public or whoever's the pressure groups are saying you've done nothing you know you've not meeting your criteria the land isn't for everyone there aren't any flowers what are you doing and the farmer's going to go well it wasn't worth it. What was the point of doing that? I can I can make much more money just by being a proper farmer. Yeah, it's going to come down to pounds and pence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unless the government forced people to do. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so it's it's actually what time is it? We're, the futures have closed. We're drinking beer. Feet are up. Yeah. We're all seeds making money. We're well, are we legally? When are we legally allowed to drink beers in pubs? I've got a, I've got an app on my phone that's got the actual days, minutes, hours to tell you allowed in a pub uh, inside. We did discuss the other day the idea of having an afternoon traders meeting on the first day of the lift. I think we should, uh, you know, nice and, and I'm sure lots of the country will be in the same mood to be on. It's been a nice hot day as well. It'll be it, why not? You know, yeah. we are all fed up with it, aren't we? So anyway, with that. Have a great week's planting seed that's arrived. I hope the weather is absolutely fabulously good for you. There's another cold snap in process. There's uh, frost. The spuds can't go in the ground because its soil temperatures are too low. So there's a few troubles in, in rural Norfolk. But largely, the weather forecast is good. It's dry. And I think we're going to have a relatively difficult-to-contact customer group. You know, And I think we're going to have markets that keep going up. Hopefully. Okay, with that, happy news. Cheers. See you, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. 
Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.